Welcome to Whitechapel Church Online. You're currently listening to preaching from our Sunday services. We believe that when the preaching happens, that collectively we're hearing the Word of God, and that God's Word has the power to change who we are. We also believe that God can meet you right where you're at, and that He has a Word specifically for you. We hope that you enjoy today's sermon, and we would love to have you at an in-person service. Head over to whitechapelchurch.com to get more info. Enjoy the sermon, and be blessed. Good morning. How are you guys? I love it. Well, it's always good to see you. Um, I'm going to sit today. Is that okay? I think it's in my best interest and yours. Um, So the swollen ankles and the fingers, we're just going to sit today. We're going to conserve some energy. Um, But it's so good to see all of you. I want to say a special thank you to Pastor Michael um, just for entrusting me to bring the word this morning. He told me this morning, he said, I think you're the first pregnant woman we've ever had preach at Whitechapel. And I said, well, actually, when I preached in February, I was pregnant. You just didn't know it yet. It was very early. So this is my second time preaching ever in church, and both times I've been pregnant. So it's great. Um, so again, thank you. Um, as Pastor Michael said, we've been talking about, or he's been talking about rather, the last several weeks about the work of the Holy Spirit, right? And he actually told me I could speak on anything that I wanted, which is awesome. Um, But then as I was in the Word and looking through, um, researching just what I felt the Holy Spirit was leading, I actually felt like I was supposed to continue talking about the Holy Spirit. And so really, specifically, Spirit-filled worship. Um, And so that's what we're going to get into today. Pastor Michael has already gone over um, how God, how the Holy Spirit equips you to do God's work, right, to do his will, uh, to make us more like Christ, to uh, and equip us with spiritual gifts, to give us a hope, we know a living hope, an eternal hope. And so today we're going to talk about spirit-filled worship. And so I just want to talk about the, the Holy Spirit real quick. We know that the Holy Spirit is important, right? When Jesus uh, left, he left us with the Holy Spirit. And so we are filled continually with the Holy Spirit, we should be. And so I want you to just think back to If you're a believer today, I want you to think back to when you first came to Christ, right? And how you were filled with the Holy Spirit and what that experience was like that first time. And so when we look back at that, everything should have changed, right? Everything about us should have changed. We laid down our old life, our old self. We took on this new identity in Christ. And everything about our life should have changed, right? And it it makes sense because when you commit to someone or something, things change, right? Whether it be a job, um, when you, if you commit to a new job or a new career path, your finances change, your, your work hours change, the things about your life change. When you commit to a person, when you make a covenant before God and, and, you, and you marry someone, everything changes, right? Like single life, married life, totally different. So when you commit to someone or something, things change. And so it's no different when it comes to the Holy Spirit, except it's on a much larger scale. Everything about your life should change from the way you think to the way you act to the way you speak to the desires of your heart. Everything should change. And we know that when we give our life to Christ, when we proclaim that he is our Lord and Savior, now even who we worship changes, right? We were made to worship. We were made to worship him. But if you're not worshiping him, you're worshiping something else. And so when you come to Christ, you are now changing who you worship, and you're also changing how you worship. And that's what I really want to get into today is this, this uh, spirit 
faith-filled worship. And all those ways I mentioned, the way you think, act, speak, all of these things, these are ways that you can offer your worship to God, right? Um, I just want to make sure we, we point that out, that there is more to just uh, song. I know for me, personally, when I hear the word worship, my mind immediately goes to song, praise, worship, in church, right? Um, or in the car. Um, but your life is actually an offering of worship, amen? Your life is an offering of worship. We see in Romans 12:1, it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So your worship is your life lived out, surrendered, obedient to God. So I just want to make sure we get that out there, but specifically we're talking about worship with song today. And we're going to be in Ephesians, so if you brought your Bible, if you're on your Bible app, um, we're going to be in Ephesians 5 today. And in Ephesians 5, this is yet another letter that Paul has written, and he's doing two things in this letter. He is explaining the new identity that you have as a believer in Christ, and then he's explaining how to live out that identity. And so it's really awesome. Um, this is just a side note for you. I encourage you after service, go read, starting in the middle of Ephesians 4, and then kind of end even Ephesians 6. There's a section that's actually entitled Instructions for Christian Living. And so that caught my eye, and we're going to be in that chapter today. But it starts in the middle of four, so Instructions for Christian Living. And then it even goes on to Instructions for Christian Households. So I don't know about you, but when, when I hear the word instruction and it's in God's word, I'm going to pay attention to it, right? Um, so I encourage you to go back and look at that. But we're going to look at Ephesians 5, 18, 19, and 20. And so this is the end of that Instructions for Christian Living. So I'm going to read this for you, and then I'm just going to pray real quick. So it says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. God, I just come to you this morning, and I just ask that, Holy Spirit, you would move through this place that you would use me to, to speak your word this morning, Lord. We know that it is anointed, and so we just pray that it would get into our hearts this morning, God. Pray these things in your name. Amen. So a few weeks ago, Pastor Michael actually had verse 18 in one of his sermons, and it's really interesting to me that Paul chose this one particular sin of drunkenness, right? He says, do not, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. And so we can speculate of like what that means, why did Paul use this specific thing? Um, and we could talk about that for a while, but I think one of the things that sticks out to me the most is that when it comes to wine or alcohol, um, it can very quickly take control of one's life, right? And it's something that you can continually be filled with. And so Paul goes on and he says, instead, be filled with the Spirit. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And so the Spirit also is something that we can continually be filled with, but we know that one of these things is going to lead to an odd, ungodly lifestyle, and the other is going to lead to a godly lifestyle. So something in this life is going to have control over you, right? You're going to worship something, but as believers, we know that it can't be anything, and it should not be anything other than the Holy Spirit. And so I think it's really important to note that what you're filled with directs how you live, Okay, what you're filled with directs how you live. We see that an excess of wine or alcohol leads to debauchery, but an excess of the spirit, if you read on, leads to spirit-filled worship. Worship is a result of being filled with the spirit, and we see this in 19 and 20, right? If you go on, um, 
It, the sentence doesn't end there in 18. It says, instead be filled with the Spirit, comma. It keeps going, and it says, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. And so immediately here, we see that worship is a result of being filled with the Spirit. And in these two verses, we have three results of being filled with the Spirit, three results, and they all have to do with worship. And so number one is communication with one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Now, we all know what psalms are. We all know what hymns are. What are spiritual songs? As my dad would like to say, it's like talk singing, right? It's like talk singing. That's, it was pretty funny when Pastor Michael came on and my dad was stepping down. He told him, like, Jordan does this really cool thing where he talk sings when he's on stage. But it was just spiritual songs, right? It's when you're singing out. It's a spontaneous prompting of the Holy Spirit to just sing out to God. So it happened today on stage. It's just ministering to the body. And so the first one is communication with one another, right? Communication with one another. We should be edifying the body of Christ. The second is communication with the Lord by singing and making music in your heart. And so I think it's important to note here that last part. It says, in your heart. You can sing and make music. Like, we see that all the time, right? You can sing and make music. But if you're singing and making music to the Lord, it needs to come from your heart. Because we know that if we do anything and our heart is not in it, then we're probably not giving it our best. So we have to offer God our heart in worship. If you're not, it's probably not true worship, and God requires it of you. So communication with one another, communication with the Lord, and the last is thanking God for everything. So again, take note, everything. Thanking God for everything, even the tough things, even the painful things, even the, the suffering that maybe you're experiencing right now. Thank God that he is here, that he has come, that he has saved you. Thank him in everything. Your worship is a result of being filled with the Spirit. And so I have three quick points for you today on this. But remember that your whole life should be an offering of worship to God. It's not just about our song. It's your whole life surrendered to him in obedience to the Lord. So three points today. Number one, worship is pleasing to God. If you back up a little, a few verses, in verse 10 it says, find out what pleases the Lord. Paul says, find out what pleases the Lord. Do I have anyone in here um, who's been married for, let's say, over 30 years? Can you just raise your hand for me? Amazing. Wow, lots of hands. That's awesome. So you've been married for over 30 years. Can you just do me a quick favor? Can you just try to think back to your first date? I hope I don't cause any fights today. But think back to your first date. Right? Did we have it? You know what your first date was? What, what were you doing in that moment? Like when you were hanging out with this person for the first time, courting them maybe, quote unquote, um, you were trying to figure out what pleased them, right? And what displeased them. And hopefully you, I, I would guess since you're married now and are still married, you were doing what pleased them and you were trying to not do what displeased them, Right? That just makes sense. When you love someone, you want to please them. And so Paul says, find out what pleases the Lord. And we know, based on this scripture, that your worship pleases him, but he has a preference in the way that you do it. He has a preference. And I don't know that I've thought about this a whole lot, but he does have this preference. And we see in 19 and 20 that it's to edify the body and it's to honor the Lord and to give him thanks. And this is his preference. In the Old Testament, anybody been in Leviticus lately in their daily devotions? No? 
just meat? No, I haven't been in it. But in Leviticus, we see all of these ways that you bring an offering of worship to God. And he has really specific standards for, you know, guilt offerings, worship offerings, all these different things. Even from the building of the tabernacle, the carrying of the ark, we see these really specific ways that God requires your worship, your offering. We even see in Leviticus that he kills two of Aaron's sons because they brought unauthorized offering, uh, unauthorized fire to him, and he actually strikes them down with fire and kills them. It's hectic. But he has these specific preferences, these specific instructions, and it shouldn't surprise us because when it comes to pleasing you, you have a preference, right? You have a preference. And now, my husband, if you, you don't even really have to know him that well to know that he loves the Lakers, Okay. I love the Lakers now, too, I promise. Um, maybe not love. That's a strong word. I like the Lakers. I'm a Lakers fan now by default. But when I knew this about him before we even started dating, that he liked the Lakers. He went to a game when we were friends. And so I knew that he loved the Lakers. And I honestly could not have cared less about the Lakers, especially LeBron James. Okay. But I have converted. But I knew that my husband loved the Lakers. And so that first year that we were dating, I was able to actually get us free tickets yeah, it was, it was pretty awesome. Good tickets, too, to a Laker Magic game. And I took him to this game. Now, I didn't really care if I went to this game, right? I didn't care. But I knew it would please him, and I want to please him because I love him. And so it's no different with God. And if who I'm dating or who I'm married to or who you're dating or who you're married to is worthy of being, of being pleased by you, then how much more worthy is our Father? Amen? Amen. He's so much more worthy, and that's no knock on who your spouse is. That is just exalting his name and who he is and what he's done. He is so much more than anything that we deserve. And so if your spouse is worthy to, to be pleased, to, to show them you love and care for them, how much more worthy then is our God? And so just as we have preferences, so does he. And we have to take note of this because as believers, we are obligated to fulfill them. He requires it of us. And so when you worship him in the way that he prefers, the way that he instructs, that pleases him. You can actually displease him with unhonorable worship, with worship that is not, just as we saw with Aaron's sons, you can displease him. So he wants your worship, but he wants it in the way that he prefers. And so my second point is that worship is not about you. Worship is not about you. So worship is pleasing to God, and worship is not about you. This might seem really obvious, like, okay, yeah, Clearly, like, I'm not worshiping myself, I'm, I'm worshiping God. But how many times have you come into church on a Sunday morning and you just had a bad morning and you just didn't feel like worshiping, right? We don't think about that. In that moment, I, I've been there. I remember one morning I was on my way to church and I, um, I don't know, I got caught up and I forgot to slow down when the speed changed and I got like a $250 speeding ticket on my way to church and then when the cop pulled me over, I was like, but sir, like I'm on my way to church, I'm running late. He didn't care. I got a $250 ticket and so I got here and I did not feel like worshiping that morning. I can't really remember if I did. I think I got over myself. But I did not necessarily come into church ready to worship God. My heart was racing, I was upset. But Worship's not about me, it's not about you. Our worship team that's up here, which thank you guys, by the way, for this morning, awesome. But it's not about them either. They're not here to entertain us. They're here to minister to us. They're here to lead us into the presence of the Holy Spirit. Worship is about edifying each other and honoring the Lord. And we see that where it says, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, sing and make music to the, in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. 
And so I've heard a couple of different things said when it comes to worship. And one of them is that that's just not how I give God worship. That's just not how I do it. I do it in other ways. Well, there are other ways that you can and should do. You should give God worship, as we've discussed. But God's clear that he wants your worship with song. And so to say that's just not how I give God worship is like telling your spouse if they give you a specific way that you can really show that you love them and you just say, well, I'm sorry, that's just not how I love. That's not how I show my love. Is anyone familiar with the five love languages? Yeah, if, you ha if you're not, Google it. You can take a quick test. It's really helpful, I think. And so it would be like, I know that my love language is acts of service and Jordan's is words of affirmation. And typically... Whatever your love language is, whatever the way you like to best receive love is the way that you give love. And that makes sense, because we're human, and this is how I want it, so this is how I'm going to give it. But not that acts of service doesn't make my husband feel loved, but words of affirmation more so. And so if I were to just look at him and say, well, I'm sorry, that's just not the way I prefer to show you love, I'm going to do it this way, that would put a wedge between us, right? And so why do we do this with God? If we don't do this to our own spouse, if we don't do this to our friends, why do we do this with God? It's not about you. It doesn't matter if that's how you want to give worship. And I've also heard that it makes me uncomfortable. We've all heard this one. I'm not comfortable lifting my hands. I'm not comfortable lifting my voice with the people. Like, I can't sing. I can't sing. It's fine. Just give him your worship. Worship's not about your comfort level. The Holy Spirit, one thing I've learned over the years that I've been walking with the Lord is that he calls you out of your comfort zone a lot. He is not concerned about your comfort zone. I am not comfortable right now. <laughs> like, I am nine months pregnant. I am not comfortable. If you would have asked me two years ago what my greatest fears were, I would have given you two. Number one, public speaking. And number two, snakes. Okay, public speaking snakes, I hate both of them. I did. I still hate snakes. I still hate snakes. But the Holy Spirit, as I began walking with him, he started to call me out of this. And, and I won't get into all the details of that, but he started to call me out of that. And all of a sudden, I found myself not just public speaking, but preaching. And I would have also told you, I will never preach. That is not my call. That is not what God has for me. And yet here I am today preaching. And if you were to ask me now what my greatest fears are, it's just, it's snakes. There's probably some other things, but public speaking is not one of my greatest fears. Am I still super comfortable? No. But God's called me out of that. And so he didn't just call me out of my comfort zone and then leave me hanging, right? He's walked with me through it and he's helped develop that. And so it makes me uncomfortable. I'm sorry, God's not concerned about your comfort level. He requires your worship. He actually made you to worship him. And so it's not about us. The Holy Spirit, God, he deserves your worship 100% of the time. He requires it of you. He made you to do it. And because he made you to worship, you're going to worship something, right? So I hear, you know, those, those manly, manly men, they say, like, I don't worship, that's, that's not manly enough for me. But then they go to a football game and they're, like, shirtless, like, painted with, like, a number or letter or whatever on their chest. And they're cheering and screaming. And all of a sudden, they're totally okay with worshiping, right? So you can go to concerts and you'll see worship. You can go to sporting events and you can see worship. You can go on Facebook and you can see people worshiping their political party, right? Like, this is why my, here's 10 reasons of why this person should run and here's... You know, you know what I'm talking about. 
the, the keyboard warriors that are worshiping their political party, or maybe you're, remember my younger, my, my youth kids, maybe you're on Instagram and, and you're looking at all of these celebrities and you're constantly comparing yourself to them. That is a, a form of worship. Or maybe it's something that actually doesn't seem like a bad thing. Maybe it's your family. Are you worshiping your kids more than you're worshiping the father? Are you worshiping your spouse more than you're worshiping the father? It's misplaced. He is the only one who deserves your worship, and he deserves it 100% of the time. It cannot be dependent on your circumstances, and it cannot be dependent on your feelings. Do we know that our feelings are a liar? They might, they might um, you know, feel real, like they're real, they're not fake, but they're not always true. And so just because you don't feel like worshiping, does that mean that God doesn't deserve it? Absolutely not. I'll never forget, um, it was Thursday, October 21st, and a lot of you know this about um, our story, is that we found out we were pregnant at the beginning of last October, and three weeks later, we had a miscarriage. And I'll never forget that morning, I'll never forget that whole day, I, I remember it like it was yesterday, and it was such a dark day, but one of the things that actually stands out to me the most is that that morning, I worshiped. And if I'm being honest, that was not my go-to. Like, that wasn't my first thought. Like, oh, something's wrong. I think maybe we're, we're losing our baby. Um, I'm going to worship God right now. But God orchestrated it to where we actually had a, a pastor's meeting in Sanford, and Jordan had been asked to lead worship. And so it was kind of late for him to back out, even though that was really what we wanted to do. And so we went and I'll never forget that morning, I had to sit on the very back row because right when worship ended, we had to slip out and we had to go to the doctor to find out what was going on. And I sat on the back row with my dad and I will never forget that feeling really that I had. And in that moment, I just decided to surrender to God. I didn't know what was going on. I was confused. I was, had been holding back tears all morning because there was like over 100 pastors there and I was trying to be cool and stay positive, but once we started worshiping, I just broke down in tears, and I just surrendered it to God and just said, you know what, I don't know what's happening. I know there's a chance that this is what's happening, but I'm gonna worship you anyway. It doesn't matter how I'm feeling right now, you are still worthy of worship, and I am telling you, it's some of, the reason I remember it so well is because it's some of the most powerful worship I've ever experienced in my life, worshiping through the pain. And we know that God, he inhabits the praises of his people. And our feelings, our circumstances, they cannot and should not dictate our worship. It's not about us. He is always worthy. And so although that was such a dark day, there was that glimmer of hope in the morning where I was able to just surrender it to God and give him worship. And my last point is that worship is eternal. Worship is eternal. So we have worship is pleasing to God, worship is not about you, and worship is eternal. We know if you're a believer today and you know where you're gonna be when you leave this earth, you're gonna be in eternity and you're gonna be worshiping God for all of it, for all of it. And so to say that um, I'm not gonna worship God the way he wants, the way he prefers, or um, I'm not gonna worship God because I don't feel like it, that's that's not okay. When we get to eternity, we're gonna worship him forever. So why would we not start right now while we're on earth? 
I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with Bethel Church. Um, Pastor Bill Johnson, he just lost his wife recently, a couple of weeks ago. And he actually, I think he lost her on like a Thursday and he preached on Sunday. And I listened to a clip, like a two-minute clip, and he was talking about this, this idea, not idea, but that, that we will be worshipers for all of eternity. And he said something that um, when he said it, I was like, oh, yeah, like I knew that, but I never thought about it, and, I'm, and I'll never forget it. He said that earth is our only opportunity to worship God through pain. Because we know that when we get to eternity, there's no more pain. Hallelujah. There's no more suffering. We're just going to be worshiping God. It's going to be incredible. But right now on earth, this is the only chance. This is the only opportunity we get to worship God through our pain, in the midst of our pain. And I would imagine that most of you would say, I want God near when I'm going through pain, right? I want him to be near me. If you want God with you in your pain, maybe you need to worship him in your pain. Worship him in your pain. It's been such a strange thing to navigate. Like we lost one child and two months later we found out we were pregnant again. And it's been so strange to navigate this because while we were grieving the loss of one life, we were now celebrating the life of another. And it was just, it, it felt off, right? But I think it's such a beautiful depiction of, of what our worship can look like with God. Like there's always something that you can be grieving in this life. But you also can always be celebrating the new life that you've received in Christ. And so while we're grieving things that are happening in our lives, we can be celebrating the new life we've received through Christ's blood. Philippians 2 says that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. God will receive his worship. He will. Whether you choose to be one or not, when he comes back, he, every knee will bow. Every knee will bow. He's going to receive his worship. And believers are going to worship for all of eternity, so we might as well just start now. We might as well just give him the worship he deserves right now. And I don't know, and I don't pretend to know what you've come in here with this morning or what you've been through and it's not to, to diminish that at all. I know that there are some tough things in this room that are happening. But I just want to challenge you this morning to, to give it to him, to worship him anyway. Maybe you came in this morning and you are going through something really tough. And you didn't feel like worshiping God this morning. And maybe you didn't give him your best. We're going to have another opportunity um, as our, our band comes up. We're going to have another opportunity to give him the worship that he deserves. And so again, I don't know what you're going through, but God, your worship pleases God. And don't you want to please our Heavenly Father? Your worship pleases Him. It's not about us. It's not about us. And our worship is going to be for eternity. Thanks for joining us at Whitechapel Church Online. We pray that today's sermon blessed you and that you'll continue to join us as we lean into God's word together. Until next time, have a great week and be blessed.